a doctor in the house. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. Let's see if he's here. He's there. He's somewhere. And he's gearing up, as I am, too, for the Advanced Medicine Conference. Dr. Batar, always good to see you, my friend. And uh, I know last week you had an incredible webinar with our friend, Dr. Bruce Lipton. I had a lecture that night, and I couldn't make it in time. I feel kind of bummed out, but it'll be all much better when we can reunion together, all of us, uh, in Pasadena. Yeah, yeah. The webinar went fantastic. We had a had a lot of emails that came in and how grateful people were, how moved they were. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was really good. Excellent. Now, uh, I want to let everybody know, remind you, that you can hear this show live on naturalnewsradio.com. Thanks to our friend Mike Adams, the Health Ranger, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, UK Health Radio, World Broadcasting Network. And if you're watching live on YouTube, th- give us a thumbs up, and that'll help to share it. Uh, Dr. Batar is also going out live through Facebook, and uh, his community and our community we share. And we're glad you're all with us this hour. Uh, we've got a lot to do. Number one on the list, concerned about our youngest. Now, my kids are both post-millennial, and I think... Some of your kids are. Some of your kids obviously are older and grown. Uh, but there's a, a story about the millennials out of the Daily Mail in the United Kingdom. And this is being picked up everywhere. It's a big story. Talking about millennials' health plummeting after the age of 27. Study finding this generation has unprecedented rates of diabetes, depression, digestive disorders. Of course, none of this has anything to do with anything but genetics. It's a genetic epidemic. Suddenly, that generation, like no generation before, has chronic disease. And by the age of 27, they're in full-on decline, Dr. Batar. It's obviously a genetic disease. Yeah. I'd like to have Dr. Lipton on here, too. And, of course, you know, I think that uh, we'd, just all be, we'd just all be laughing about it because we all know that there's nothing to do with this. It's nothing to do with genetics. So um, I don't know why they're on this bandwagon with the genetics, but I guess it's, it's easy. It's, um, it's an easy thing to, uh, it's an easy thing to blame. You know what I mean? Cause you don't have to take any personal responsibility. It's a, it's a victim mentality. It's genetics. I'm, you know, poor me. I have no, no control over it. And, uh, God forbid we would be able to have any control and be proactive and actually make a difference. Right. So it's just a lot easier to make people feel that they're victims and promote it that way. Where's the precedence in history? Again, I, you, we can look back uh, and look at the, the, the by the law of the train and say, you know, there were times in our history, uh, particularly when the crowded cities, the pollution, the blocking of the sun, I mean, all kinds of toxic stuff going on, that life expectancy was shorter. Uh, there were devastating diseases that young people have. But if you, if you survived it, you tend to survive pretty well because you were strong now so that you could say there are. Uh, genetic predispositions, strengths, there are weaknesses. Again, we don't dispute that you know distinction and difference among people. But to have, in a general sense, a generation that by the age of 27, they are now acknowledged to be in rapid decline of health? I'm like, obviously it's not genetic. There's something going on. Of course, the things we would look at, the mainstream media would shout us down and call us names for looking at, like, for instance, vaccines or mercury exposure, different things that would precipitate mineral deficiencies, all that we talk about together and have been for, for many years. Well, see, Robert, this is a thing that if you look at the science and you see and understand the science of epigenetics, then you understand that the environmental trigger, i.e. the vaccines, the metals, the persistent organic pollutants, the pesticides, you know, organophosphates, the fluorinated hydrocarbons, et cetera, et cetera, the Electro, the electromagnetic waves, the cell ambient cell phone radiation, microwave technology, all these different things, they're all they're all an environmental an external environmental causation that causes an internal environmental consequence, which then causes the gene to express in a certain manner and then defines certain proteins to be expressed. And it's to me it's so logical, but then again, you know, for 17, 18 years my mindset has been this way since hearing the biology of belief. But 
from a from a convenience standpoint, that's not a convenient thing mm. to explain to the world, to the population, right? It's for the government, for the hierarchy. It's not a convenient thing. They need to have something that they can control, and obviously, the environment is something they could control if they were really interested in promoting health. But they have failed miserably at that. So then, why not throw it as why not why not, why not blame it on something that you have no control over, i.e., genetics? It's right. You know, it's a la victim, vie. A victim state of consciousness exactly. is, uh, is a way some people may like to live. We do not hear. Uh, millennials as a generation, I got this article showing up for those of you watching on YouTube. Millennials as a generation are in overall poorer health than their predecessors, Gen Xers, which uh, Dr. Batar and I are in that, uh, with higher rates of depression, hyperactivity, substance misuse, type 2 diabetes, and Crohn's disease. Among other chronic conditions, we see this. Look at this chart decline at the age of 27. It's like that doesn't happen in one generation from Gen X to millennials that you would see this devastating uh, precipitate a drop in health uh, would be you can't say there's a genetic cause other than what we know of in terms of um, exposure to certain things in the environment, accumulation generationally could manifest certain weaknesses, for instance. But to have it massive across the board in that generation of young people that are chronically ill, what would we have to do? I think primarily look at the expansion of the vaccination program in there since they were young. This is the uniqueness of all generations. No, no generation has been vaccinated like this. Well, Robert, I would disagree with you slightly. You know, it's not just the vaccination aspect because, you know, when you, when you blame it just on the vaccinations, which is obviously a very big thing. But then look at the genetic modification of foods that we're consuming and how is that altering our, our systems, Certainly. right? I mean, so this is, there's so many other variables that we may not even really recognize. For example, the combustion of fossil fuel in the last 100 years has just been a vertical trajectory. It's sure. insane. And actually, mercury vapor inhalation is the most toxic form of being exposed to mercury. I know that that may sound somewhat counterintuitive, that you would think that something that's parenterally and introducing to the body as an intramuscular injection or a subcutaneous injection would be worse. But believe it or not, it's inhalation of mercury vapor that's the most toxic way. Mm -hmm. Then beyond that, then, of course, probably the um, injections. I'm not sure what the data shows, which one is the worst. But uh, mercury vapor by far is the worst way of being exposed to at least mercury um, toxicity. So if you're looking at mercury toxicity from maternal amalgam load versus dietary intake and water intake, you know, the contamination of the food, like as in methylmercury, the ethylmercury from the injections, mm -hmm. the combustion of vapor, uh, inhalation of the combustion of uh, fossil fuels. So all these different components that we're talking about, that's just with the metals. Then you've got the chemicals and then you've got, you know, all the energetic toxicities. Microwave technology is something that people don't even think about. The microwave, when, when we tested it kinesiologically, it was microwave energetic exposure that was the worst form of energetic exposure even worse than the electromagnetic high-powered wires mm -hmm. it was it was microwave technology right. so when everybody has microwaves in the house you know you're exposing yourself to to a energetic toxicity that we just don't know the full implications of so i, I wouldn't want to blame it just on the vaccine certainly the vaccines have a huge component and then it becomes one of those additive things right how many mm -hmm. different things can you stack on before the before the tower falls. It's right. like the old tower game, you know, that little block oh, game. Oh, yeah, exactly. There's a certain point, there's a, t as we call it, tip tipping points. Uh, yeah. And, you know, as I bring up the vaccine thing, that's one of the more obvious, I think, in terms of look at Absolutely. each generation and say, what has been different for a whole generation? What significantly was introduced in their time frame that was unique and different from previous ones? And right. we can look very clearly to say there's never been a schedule like this in recorded medical history. Again, there's it no wasn't preclude what you had said as well because prior to that i would argue yes there's been environmental issues threats like the burning of these fuels creating mercury in the air uh pr prior to that we can see historically in times of coal burning you know i was mentioning times in history where there have been devastating diseases ravage and they go oh blame uh some unknown pathogen or a known pathogen that we've named a disease because it manifests similarly but it was preceded by massive pollution which does what it, right. it not only has toxicity, and you've talked about allergenicity as well, these metals, but also the displacement of the minerals that may or may not be in their diet, right? right. So right. all of this compounds, and we see that we don't learn from history, particularly if you're a medical doctor and you're not looking at these environmental insults, particularly, as I mentioned, the vaccine issue, but not exclusively. We can look 20th century, Dr. Batar, and say, 
suddenly we were exploding nuclear bombs. And how did that impact background levels of radiation globally? And how did that impact as well, right? Yeah, the, the Fukushima incident that happened, you know, about seven years ago, and, and people forget about it, but that stuff is still being dumped into the oceans. And so, I mean, there's, there's so many different things. And I certainly would agree with you that front and center right now is the vaccine issue because everybody's talking about it. But again, you know, not to jump on the bandwagon, there's so many other components too. So when we talk about the genetic aspect, and it's important that people understand this, when we talk about the genetic aspect, it's a genetic predisposition. It is not a genetic issue. It is not the genes that dictate it. It's, a, it's the polymorphisms that are variables based upon your mother and your father that allow you to either be able to process or not process, you know, the same tendencies to be tall or short or have lighter hair or darker hair, whatever the case is. So these are genetic predispositions. These are not genetic definitive outcomes that this is what your genes are and there's nothing that you can do. There's no such thing as a cancer gene, for example, right? In fact, Dr. Lipton really, really stressed this. You know, he, he, it was so funny the way he said it. He was, because I said something about BS and I, I you know, he, he talked about my, you know what my BS is and I don't know whether I can, I can say that my version of what BS means um, on the radio. Can I say BS or no? Well, now that we are the RSB Show 2.0, cover your ears if you don't want to hear it. But yes, we can. We are free okay. to say those things. So you know, I call bullshit bullshit. You know that. You know, to me, it's it is what it is. And Dr. Lipton, of course, being very very proper, it was so funny. He goes, "Yes." He goes, "I said I said the same thing with BS, but he's referring to belief system, which is basically the same thing, right? <laughs> he's talking about the belief system, right? And if your belief system is that." and especially if it's been indoctrinated that way, that you are a victim of your genes, of your genetic code, and there's nothing that you can do to control it or the outcome, then it gives a person almost a, uh, it gives them an excuse perhaps to just allow it to go whichever way they're going and, and promotes the victim mentality. And the truth is, and for the people that are listening to us, the truth is that is absolutely categorically not the case. You do have, 100% control of where your outcome is. And this is where the belief system aspect comes in again, right? Because your beliefs and your thoughts are just as important, if not more so, at influencing your environment. So if you're in an environment where your thoughts are toxic, that's just as toxic, if not more toxic, than the toxic substances that you may be inhaling or drinking or, or, or eating or whatever the case may be. So the entire point that I was trying to make with this when I started off with the genetic predisposition issue is that there's certain pathways in the body. And these pathways define certain metabolic cascades, the enzymatic pathways, et cetera, et cetera, many, many different pathways. So depending on what your contribution from your mother and your father are, you could have a genetic predisposition, as in the case of Alzheimer's or autism, for the inability to excrete mercury. So when people start saying, oh, Merc, you're saying mercury is the cause of autism and that's BS and blah, blah, blah. Here are the facts. Mercury is in every single person, plant, and animal on the planet. It is everywhere. That's the first thing. Second, our systems have been designed to eliminate them, but certain people, because of their genetic predisposition, i.e. APOE, glutathione S-transferase, methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase enzyme deficiency, that can go on and on and on. There's so many different ones, and there's a whole bunch that I'm sure we don't even know yet. We haven't discovered yet. Based upon these criteria, you may have an inability or a reduced ability to eliminate the toxins. And it's those toxins that are being eliminated that are not being able to elim- be eliminated. That's where the issue lies. Robert, I got to... It sounds I, like the uh, the maid's coming. Housekeeping, well, I got to check on you, wherever you are, Dr. Well, Bizarre. I told them I told them to wait, but anyway, they're going to have to wait now. Yeah, let them wait. Yell, yell, yell at them if you need to. Now, I'm back in half an hour. There you go. That's it. So uh, we have uh, this report, by the way, is coming from Blue Cross Blue Shield analyzing data on 55 million millennials. Now, obviously, they're not bringing up the things we're talking about, why this is occurring. They're only raising, oh, my gosh, look at what's happening here. And if the millennials have been duped through government indoctrination centers, i.e. public schools, to believe that the only saving grace would be a government intervention, a system of medicine that would be, you know, for all, Medicare for all, whatever it is, recognize that you're instituting even stronger a monopoly on not thinking, on not critical thinking about what has occurred here, right? We're talking about epigenetics. We're talking about environmental issues, mineral issues. This is not part of the government medical system. You have to leave it to be able to integrate into a medical practice, so to speak, the things that are 
maybe not considered standard of care. We would argue our advanced medicine beyond the standard of care because the standard of care today is substandard. It's, you know, basically drug every symptom that exists as opposed to recognizing true causation and mm-hmm. changing not only uh, inputs, but even the belief system inputs, which, you know, I love that uh, uh, Dr. Lipton talks about BS as belief systems. That's beautiful and brilliant. So anyway, the, the data is real. From, you know, 27 down, they're seeing a dramatic decline of people in their 20s or 30s, which has never before been seen, even in that one generation prior that we're in, Dr. Batar. Yeah, it's, it, it is very, very interesting. When you start looking at the data, you start looking at the subpopulations with uh, incidence of cancer. You start looking at cardiac disease. You start looking at many of these things. Um, and, and there's clear correlation. Robert, when we started the radio show almost 10 years ago, we talked about this. And we talked about this actually in the DVDs that you narrated 20 years ago almost. Um, yeah, it was 20 years ago because they yeah. came out in 2000. We talked about this whole concept of better diagnoses and, and better instruments that will allow you to make better diagnoses. And that's one reason we've got a prevalence of these diseases showing up. And 20 years ago, I said, that's a bunch of hogwash. That's just ludicrous. You know, it, to say that the, the reason that these diseases, we've got a higher incidence of them today than we did in the past because our diagnostic abilities have increased. Yeah. Okay. That's just preposterous because how did doctors diagnose diabetes a hundred years ago? Do you remember? You, I mean, not that you were around 100 years ago. No, I you, don't remember that. I, I wasn't there. I'm not that old. Come on, we're the same age. But you remember how, you remember, I mean, from a homeopathic standpoint, you remember the... It was, it was uh, urine. That's right. Yeah. And I, it, it tasted the urine to see if it had the sweet taste to it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and by the way, you know, I, I think about another thing since you brought that up, and it's in the article. They say Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis are also 15% more common among older millennials uh, in this decline. I'm thinking... You know, it's not difficult to diagnose GI issues, inflammation, because they're not subtle. You know, whether you, they right. might not have called it Crohn's or irritable bowel or ulcerative colitis, but the fact of the matter is, if they were to claim, oh, well, the reason why more people are suffering from colitis is because we're better at diagnosing. That, yes. That, you know, that, uh, that's just a bunch of garbage because oh. that diagnosis is a diagnosis of exclusion, mm-hmm. right? They basically do all these different tests. They can't see anything showing up. Okay, well, then you've got irritable bowel. It's an all-encompassing term that includes Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, everything, you know. And they, they'll do biopsies and then say, well, this histological pattern is consistent with Crohn's or this histological pattern is uh, consistent with ulcerative colitis. But irritable bowel, generally speaking, is a diagnosis of exclusion. They're going to make sure that you don't have a tumor or something else. They're going to work you up and say, oh, that's what that is, based upon symptoms. So that's, that's not a diagnostic treat. I mean, when you, when you have a diagnosis of exclusion, it means you diagnose everything else that you think that you know what it is. And if it's not any of those things, then what's left, that's, the, that's, that's what's left. And that's, that's what it's thrown to. Well, and exactly, if we think about uh, gastrointestinal inflammation, you know my history is, was all about that long before there were millennials. That was me, the canary in the coal mine of Generation X. And that was before much of what we now, and you brought this up, GMO food. I think that is a huge contributing factor as we learn about uh, glyphosate contamination, uh, manifesting inflammation of the gut. It's like an antibiotic on the microbiome itself, punching holes through the gut, like leaky gut, which they said, oh, that's not even real leaky gut, right? No, they, you have cell separation, just like epithelial tissue out here. Stuff can get in. It's leaky skin, right? And if you can't heal it or if it's not healing, that ongoing issue is going to corrupt what can buy or get into the bloodstream or other areas of the body that are not supposed to be there, instigating what? Immune responses, inflammatory responses. Again, why is this so difficult to understand how this has happened? Yeah, it's it's one of those things that, uh, what do you say, cognitive dissonance? Is mm-hmm. that how you describe Good it? Time. Yes. Yeah. So you know, again, it comes down to the fact that the the medical system is designed to to promote, and I've come to this conclusion actually relatively recently, Robert. But I believe the medical system is designed to condone and to encourage victim mentality. Correct. Yes, I agree. And by and by doing so, it allows the individual to feel that they have no control, that, you know, they're poor, innocent victim, and then they will put their trust into the hierarchy that's been designed there to control them, i.e. the medical industrial complex, whatever, whatever that, or the government, whatever you, however right. you want to, you know, whichever component you want to look at this as. And when I was with Dell um, this past a couple of days ago when we were recording for the high wire, it was really interesting that he told me that 
what recently happened just in the last few weeks, the media just would not cover him, even though he was like the keynote speaker of some of these events and, you know, very, very public events. The media would never acknowledge he was there until what recently happened was with the Hasidic Jewish population mm-hmm. some in some county in um, New York. Rockland County, New York. Yeah, we covered it extensively. In fact, we talked about his his on the steps of uh, the Capitol, I think, in Texas when he came out and said, you know, this is like Nazi Germany, Hasidic Jews being rounded up and we stand for religious freedom. We stand with you, right? And then suddenly they can't ignore it. Yeah, he took the Star of David out and he had it and he put it in his court lapel. And then, of course, this, everybody started, you know, acknowledging it. So, um, again, I don't know about all this stuff, Robert, because, you know, I don't watch the news. I don't I don't put any I know you're a good, good, good boy for not being corrupted by mainstream news. And we have to cover and un, well, decipher for folks to help see through it. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that when Dell said finally he got covered because obviously they would rather not cover what we talk about and do because it will raise awareness of people going, hey, I didn't think about that. And suddenly they're, they're now thinking again. Uh, when I, uh, I, I say attack, I, I observed that the Comedy sh- uh, Central had a show called The Daily Show. I think it still exists with Trevor Noah as the, guest, as the host. It used to be, uh, uh, what was the guy's name? Oh, I always forget his name. Anyway, he's a Jewish guy, very funny guy, intelligent guy. But he was going after like the rich housewives of Marin County who happened to be a lot, lot of Jewish rich housewives who weren't vaccinating their children and, and saying they're at fault, they're coasting on and on. And he was ostracizing them. And I said, John Stewart, you're Jewish and you are basically utilizing the same tactics of the Nazi regime in trying to ostracize a small group of people because they believe differently or live differently than you. Then suddenly I got an international press. Jewish mm. host attacks Jewish host. Like uh, I called him a Nazi, which I didn't. I just talked about the tactics being used. So maybe we should go out and be more controversial. We'll get the coverage that we're not getting. You know, that's, that's an angle. Oh, that's John Stewart, by the way, I forget. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a strategy we could certainly employ but, you know, there's so many interesting things. Like one of the things that Dale said to me, which made me think, and I told him that when 2020 interviewed us, um, they were, and the Frontline did the same thing. You know, I insisted that they talk to patients, which they did. They came, they spent hours upon hours. But then, of course, they edit the, the pieces together and they make a person say something totally different than what they actually said. Mm-hmm. And one of the components that Dale mentioned to me, he said, he has a rule that he has his own cameras rolling so he can show what the truth was if they publish something. And I told him that's so funny that he's telling me that because I made that decision almost 10 years ago right. that I will never do a public interview with any any uh, national or international news agency unless I have my own cameras rolling. Because remember with the 2020 thing, one of the things that they brought up was, well, what about all these videos that you put out, Dr. Bittar? This isn't scientific. And I said, well, first of all, most of those videos are put out by patients themselves. Yes, we put out some videos, but... You know, who said it's uh, scientific because this is what they were saying. And they changed what I had said to show that they, they put a different question in front and, said, and then they have me saying, well, who said it's scientific? They said they talked about the treatments. And I said, well, who said it's scientific? So they cut out a certain piece. Yeah. But I was talking about the, 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 the videos, videos that they were right. putting out. Yeah, and then the argument goes on further that they say, uh, well, you know, it's, it's not following it's it's not following the prevailing um of the day, whatever. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the model, the medical model. And I said, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean they're not following the prevailing medical model? They said, you know, what they have evidence-based medicine. And I said, evidence-based medicine? Are you talking about evidence-based medicine as in a double-blind placebo-controlled crossover multi-center trial that led to the advent of such drugs as Vioxx, saying that it was approved and it had to kill 55,000 people before it took it, the, before it, you know, the FDA took it off the market? Is that the type of evidence-based medicine you're talking about? And, of course, he was like, well, let's change the subject and it goes on to something else because they don't want to talk about that. So it's evidence-based medicine that says, oh, the double-blind placebo-controlled crossover multicenter trials are based on this uh, science-based evidence. And yet, think about it, Robert, evidence-based medicine should mean medicine that's based on the evidence. But, again, these double-blind studies, all they're doing is collecting facts, just like a house is made up of a bunch of bricks. They're collecting a bunch of facts that make up science. But a pile of facts makes up no more science then a pile of bricks makes up a house. Right. It's just ludicrous. This is the Orwellian redefinition society that they engage in taking words that we pretty much know the definition of and they alter them without telling you. And they expect that, well, you're you're not seeing it the way we are. Well, then you're in the you're obviously until somebody wakes up and like the child's tale, the emperor wears no clothes. The little child points it out and then suddenly everybody sees that he's buck naked. We're dealing with that in real time here with advanced medicine, in fact. 
The yep. fact that in 2019, we still have a long way to go. Obviously, there are a lot of people on board that weren't 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But there's still a lot of sleeping sheeple, so to speak, that have yet to wake. And they're very frightened of that awakening. And this is why they work so hard to censor us. And, of course, the attacks on you over your career have been so vicious because, my gosh, if they recognize that Mercury was the primary culprit in the encephalopathy, brain inflammation, neurological degradation, they called autism, well, you know, we could have stopped this and reversed it years ago. But there's an investment in chronic disease, as we see with the millennials, that is very profitable. So they raise the alarm, but they don't propose anything like we do, like we're doing with advanced medicine and the AHEAD map, which I'm sure people will become much more familiar with if they attend the, uh, the advanced medicine conference. Well, absolutely, Robert. Uh, they, they will. And a lot of people have already started seeing some of the benefits from the Map to Get Ahead program that we launched a, about a month ago. Um, we were a little bit behind because we've got so many people that are ready for their Map to Get Ahead consultations, and we, have not, um, we haven't gotten 100% ready for that. We're about 98% ready. I'm hoping that this week we will be able to move forward on that. But, you know, one of the things that has, has really, really um, encouraged me and, and – uh, Dell made a comment and thanked me for all the work that I've done and thanked me for all the things, you know, basically for everything I've been doing for the last 20 years. Had some very interesting things he said. You know, one of the things he said was he said, um, everywhere that I hear, Dr. Tar, there are people that say you are the the number one doctor on the planet and that you are the, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, somebody said that. And, and Dell, I mean, I've never talked to Dell about any of this stuff. And then he goes and he says, how do you, and then he asked me about the controversial things, right? So, of course, my brain had already stopped when he said, you know, the number one doctor in the world. So I'm like, I used to do affirmations about that when about 20 years ago, that that it's okay for me to be the best doctor in the world. It's all right for me. And I used to do that stuff. So when Dell is saying this, and I mean, this is, you know, this is, uh, I mean, you know, he's he's not a small little chicken like you and me, right? I mean, he's big <laughs> potatoes, right? But anyway, in all seriousness, Dell, when he said that, I said, I wanted him to know, and this goes this obviously, I'm, the reason I'm saying this is because it's 100% applicable to you as well, is that no matter what myself or any other doctor would be doing, anybody that's in the trenches, any kind of provider, which you're, of course, a provider too as a, as a homeopath, but if people like you and Dell did not give voice to those people that don't have a platform, if they did not give voice to the information and disseminate it, disseminate that information in an articulate fashion, something that I can't seem to be doing right now, <laughs> you know, then people wouldn't know mm-hmm. really what the truth is. And so, you know, to me, information is one thing. Information that's not utilized by, by harnessing the power of it, if there is such a thing as a sin, then that's a sin. Mm-hmm. But information that can transform or to prevent somebody from getting hurt, and that's not propagated and if that's not spread that if there's such a thing as evil then that's part of evil because you're now purposefully constraining individuals from knowing what the truth is right. so for you and for Dell and for every other person out there that has visited a tie ties in a perfect example don't ever say don't tell Ty anybody else that's Ty to, don't, you're not listening right now yeah, don't don't tell Ty I said this okay but you know people like Ty and and Dell and you and everybody else that's been out there, outspoken, that has taken it upon themselves without any concern for their own well-being, because, of course, you're going to be hurt. Your reputation, people are going to attack you, just like it happened with me. We talk about it with me, but same thing with you guys. But you didn't let that falter, make you hesitate. You didn't allow it to dissuade you. And for that, I appreciate you guys. And my news that I get, and my I get it from my iPhone, and it's usually more related to technology not medical technology, but, you know, General uh, technology, yeah. yeah, computer type stuff and and maybe the markets and some of this other stuff. I don't look at the news for anything else. So my news that I get, Robert, is almost 99.9% from you. So that's one reason I didn't even know about Rockland County until Dell told me. And then I've mentioned here, of course, you've covered it. But that's why, because I really put myself in a bubble. I'm like the hermit, you know, and I just don't. Well, I don't it's it's, a, it's a good thing. You know, some people say, hey, you're out of touch. I'm like, no. You know, if you're focusing on one thing, particularly the healing, you know, the, the advancement of what we talk about in terms of advanced medicine, anything else could be a distraction. How would knowing about the news necessarily help you in achieving that, right, for others? It's not necessary. Now, 
uh, for us to do this show and Super Don, what we do six days a week, obviously we need to be on the pulse, our fingers on that pulse to be able to take that and, and, and how would you say, deconstruct it for folks yeah, to see yeah. through it. Uh, what are the conflicts of interest? Et cetera. And then, of course, we want to come in with positive things people can do as opposed to just leaving them hanging. It's like, oh, you brought up this scary thing and now I'm scared. No, I don't want you to live in your adrenals till they're destroyed. Uh, well, so- ma- ma- many of the things that when you're talking about it, we are taking the things that are being, that are being told that are scary and deconstructing them, making them less scary and letting people know what the truth is. Yes. But the reason that I don't listen to the news it's not so much that i'm so focused which which i need to be more focused but it's really more because i'm protecting my thoughts okay where attention goes energy flows so if your attention is going towards all these negative things then it creates an adrenal um stressor if you will it causes you to be in a constant flight fight what we call sympathetic Mm -hmm. mimetic overdrive and we don't want that i don't want that for any of my patients i certainly don't want that for myself so i live by that paradigm you know, yes. where attention goes, energy flows. And I don't want my energy flowing there. Well, that's- and, that, and that's why, folks, and those of you watching on uh, uh, Facebook with uh, Dr. Batar's group there, please come on over the other five days of the week that we're broadcasting. Because if you want to be, if you feel like you need to be up on what's going on, that's fine. Uh, but we're going to give you a perspective that will not be disempowering, will not be fear-inducing, but will be acknowledging your power and recognizing that you can, just like we have learned, to see through that so-called medical matrix, right, Uh, that has been kind of folded onto your eyes, covering you up like a veil, making illusion the reality as opposed to, you know, what is it you're here to do? What do you want to achieve? And in the case of millennials, uh, major wake-up call. You should not be suffering devastating chronic diseases at year zero through 5, 10, 15, and then at 27 decline even more precipitously. That is not a normal way to age again. And maybe it's become normal. I would call it abnormal. It's a disease state. But what has become the norm, it's like the, why you call advanced medicine advanced medicine as opposed to the standard of care, which is substandard. Who would want to uh, uh, practice at that standard? I mean, that's ridiculous. That's horrible. Right. No, I totally get it. Robert, you, you and I are writing the same sheet of music. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, I'll just say, mention something on a side note. You yeah. enter advanced medicine in Google, 1.18 billion entries. And number one, number two, and number ten is is us. So I, I was pretty excited about that. Very cool. Um, just just found that out recently. And I'll tell you that the IADFW members, the International Association for a Disease Free World members, for those of you out there that are listening that don't know what that is, the IADFW members, these guys are just studs and studesses. Okay, these are these are like heroes. I'm telling you, I am so amazed and blown away by the quality of these individuals. And my interaction with them on a weekly basis, I'm actually looking forward to it, Robert. As much as I love you, I don't necessarily always look forward to the Robert Scott Belcher because I know it's something that i got to get done. But I look forward to the IADFW because they're not expecting me to perform like you do, right? You expect me to perform, right? Like I get show up, my friend. That's all. We just need you to show up. Super Don's going to handle the rest. That's too you're... much for me, Robert. I can't handle just showing up. <laughs> Sometimes it's true. I know we ask a lot of you, but hey, you know, we're, we're getting together for, a, I believe, a really good reason. That's why you do show up. And, uh, oh, absolutely. You know, I do. Uh, and I'll tell you that one, I'm just getting some comments on Facebook, and I want to read this one from Tiffany. Uh, Tiffany's one of our, our listeners from Australia, and Tiffany said, I only get my news from the RSV show, too. So there you go. Nicely done, Tiffany. We appreciate you out there in Australia, where I had to pick on the Aussies. They've become a very authoritarian down under over the vaccine issue and suppression of freedom of speech there. That they, I guess it's not protected in their constitution, but uh, we want to we get beyond that, those limitations and help you see through this. And hopefully it'll transform things down under as well. I love the people of Australia, even if I have to go after your government, just like I go after my own government when they are less than, let's say, honest and integrous with uh, our Constitution, for instance. So we've well, got... Somebody, somebody, just to add to that, Robert, somebody said recently that, um, you know, what do you... They were talking to me and they were saying, well, what do you think is going to happen in this country, that country? I think that if anybody wants to make a difference, it needs to happen in the U.S. because as the U.S. goes, so does the rest of the world. For some reason, we have this reputation that we have the most advanced medical uh, technology in the United States, and, and that's absolutely not true. We're, I think, 34th in healthcare. So, you know, I think that this is the reason that whatever battles need to be fought need to be fought here in the U.S. Yeah. because then everybody else will follow whatever the lead is in the U.S. Sure. Now, if we need more evidence that we still have some people to reach, it's that there's an article here at UPI put out. It says uh, chemotherapy demand will, in- will increase or rise by 50 percent within 20 years or so, according to a study. 
Now, is this telling us uh, maybe more than one thing? Not just that the demand will go up, but that uh, modern medicine plans to have a complete stranglehold over consciousness. Yeah. Because this would not happen, even with an increased cancer rate, right? Because they expect that cancer rates are going to climb as we see the millennial decline in health. Uh, the, if they believe that it's going to increase the demand for chemo, it means that they are successful in dampening consciousness and keeping it dampened. I don't believe they're going to be successful because the economics of their system are, is going to collapse it all. Even okay. if people aren't awake to uh, be aware of the danger of their therapy, which is not very therapeutic, Dr. Batar. I totally agree with what you just said, Robert. And if you think about it, the stranglehold that you're talking about in consciousness, it's, it really is not even so much the consciousness as it is the awareness. That the, and, and, of course, once you become conscious, you become, you'll become aware. But you've got the subconscious and the conscious mind. And, and you can actually – sometimes it's just knowing. You know, there's certain things that we feel, and that's more our subconscious, our heart, our, our energetics. We're picking up on this. But if your conscious mind is aware of certain – fundamental facts, then people would not do the conventional therapy for cancer. So I'm just going to ask the question, why does an individual who broke a leg or an arm or a rib, when they go get an x-ray, why do we protect them by wearing what they call lead, a lead apron, something to protect the rest of the body? What is the reason for that protection when somebody has broken a leg? Robert? It's just it's just fashion statement. You know. Okay, that's what that's what Super Don would say too. All right, go ahead, Robert. Tell tell, tell us what what the real reason is. Well, I, if we're talking about uh, protection from ionizing radiation, we know for a fact that lead will stop that from impacting, especially the vital areas, men, the testes in particular, but also they say the throat because the thyroid is very vulnerable. But any area, chronic exposure, but, lungs, etc. But why? Why do we want to protect the body from ionized radiation? Well, because of the damage it does to the cells themselves, the integrity of the cell, the loss of integrity. And what happens with the loss of integrity? What's the consequence of that loss of integrity of the cell? Well, it can be cancer. I mean, it can become cancer. Yeah. Exactly. So the reason we protect people from this, and thank you, Robert, for putting on the hat of the of the uh, person that may not know what's going on, because I know Robert does know. So yeah, don't scap on here. Go ahead. <laughs> That's right. So basically, the cancer uh, issue is dealt with two modalities of treatment primarily, either radiation or chemo. So the first one, radiation, we just talked about. The reason when you get a chest X-ray or you get any, you know, any kind of fracture and you get an X-ray done for that or anything, any kind of X-ray, the reason we wear lead is to protect ourselves from ionizing radiation, which if allowed to be, if you're allowed to be exposed to it, mm -hmm. then will lead to malformation or, or, or metabolic disarrangement in the cells cause a suppression of apoptosis and increase in cell proliferation causes DNA addicts to form and basically will end up causing the right environment to occur that leads to cancer. That's the reason. So basically radi radiation will cause cancer. That's why we protect ourselves. Now, when we make chemo, put your dunce cap back on again, Robert, <laughs> when we deal with chemo, um, why do people in the labs, when they're making chemotherapeutic agents, the chemo that's used for cancer patients, why do they use hoods when they're using this, um, make the chemicals in these hoods that are pulling up the gases? And why do they wear hazmat suits, like the, the you know, the uh, space uh, suits, like when, when somebody's got a chemical spill? Why do they wear that kind of stuff? Well, since I screwed up on the fashion statement last time, I'm going to go with, again, the protective gear designed to limit or eliminate potential exposure to those agents that are used to what? Treat? treat cancer because they actually cause damage and maybe even cause cancer to those who are working around or with those chemicals. So, so here's now the, the issue. You've got radiation and chemo that are both used for treatment for cancer patients, yet you have to be very careful when dealing with these things because what? They can cause cancer. But now when you've got cancer, God forbid, uh-oh, let's go ahead and use it. What's one of the mechanisms? Because the radiation and chemo will reduce your immune system. And what is the definition of cancer? Cancer cannot exist if unless there is a damage to the immune system. Correct. Einstein said this many years ago. You cannot fix a problem with the same mindset that created it in the first place. The same mindset that allowed cancer to become the, the leading cause of death or the second leading cause of right death. Right neck and neck. Yeah, neck and neck. It's actually iatrogenic. If you look at Gary Null's work, it's very really iatrogenic yes. causes the death of number one, right? But you can't. How, how can you how can you say 
that we're going to eradicate this disease cancer when we've allowed the cancer to become propagation, propagated to the level it has using treatments that we know cause suppression of the immune system and increase cellular proliferation and suppression of apoptosis, i.e. cancer. How can we say that? It's absolutely ludicrous. And now the study that you said that by 20 whatever, they're expecting an increase of chemotherapeutic agents to be, what, 50% higher than this now? Right. Because, so the, the only way they can do that is if they shut everybody else down and keep on pushing this garbage on everybody. If yes, people exactly. become aware, and, and I think that with you and with Dell and with me and with the other millions of people out there that already understand this with the members of the IADFW that have taken a, uh, you know, that sharing that commitment with me to make the change the world's waiting for. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to happen, Robert. I think they're going to have a lot harder time than to think. And as more people come on board and as more people become aware, it's yeah, just not going to happen. It's, it's wishful thinking. It's thinking from the consciousness or the lack thereof. I, I know Dr. Dr. Uh, Lipton would talk about the dinosaur consciousness, right, in a sense. And that's where they're operating from. And, and to add that protective gear context from an internal perspective, and again, I, I don't mean to say it's only one thing, but just an example of uh, the peer-reviewed articles about those undergoing chemotherapy, for instance. In the articles that I've reviewed over the years, it says you better be taking antioxidants, including selenium, to protect your healthy cells from the damaging impact of the chemo. If you want to survive chemo, and yet the vast majority of chemo doctors will tell their patients, don't you dare take selenium, for instance, right? As if it would protect cancer cells, which it doesn't. Again, we talk about internal protection, like wearing the lab coat or wearing the, the hazmat gear or wearing the, the lead shield. There's an internal aspect of how that works with what? Proper diet, nutrition, and exercise, et cetera. I've got a great, great story about exercising the body in a moment, but I want you to comment on that. Well, here's a problem, Robert. Why are we going and attacking the cancer? Why is it an adversarial scenario? Why are we putting that into our energetic fields, into our consciousness, that we have to fight the cancer? What was the cancer? The cells that became cancerous, what were they before they became cancer cells? Mm-hmm. They were normal, healthy cells, weren't they not? Exactly. And so if we give these cells that are now in a desperate state of whatever, you know, whether, I think that they're just in a desperate state of trying to propagate themselves. The last thing that a tree does before mm -hmm. it dies, it rapidly pollinates. I think the, the, these cells are doing the same thing. They're nutritionally depleted or, and or they're highly toxic because of exposure or a combination of both. And that right before they survive, they go into this rapid proliferative state trying to survive. I think that's all they're doing. So if we actually remove the toxins from them and we actually give them the nutrients like the selenium and the uh, copper that they may be deficient in and, and, the, mm -hmm. and the magnesium and some of these other essential things that are needed, lo and behold, many of these cells will actually revert back that to that of a normal state. And the ones that don't, the ones that don't, well, then there's other things that can be done. But here's the key part. When a, a cell goes back to its normal state, the apoptosis, the apoptotic mechanism, which is, remember, apoptosis is programmed cell death, right? It's designed for the cell to destroy itself if it becomes abnormal. So in cancer, we have a suppression of that. If you give the cell what it needs and bring it nutritively back online and you remove yes. the toxicities, that suppression of apoptosis is a lead. So apoptosis comes back online and it will, if it can't uh, become totally normal, it will now, at least with the apoptosis coming back into the normal realm, Boom, it'll self-destruct to protect the whole. So said, the yes. mechanism that our, the God designed our systems to work with, all we're going to do by giving nutrients and by getting rid of toxicity is come back online. And then guess what? The, you may have heard this phrase sometime before, Robert, the power to heal is truly yours. Yes, beautifully said. So uh, I want to go back to the consciousness of that statement. Where is it coming from that they think in 20 years we'll have 50% more demand for chemo? Obviously, part of it is they're predicting more cancer. And if we keep going the same direction in terms of the diet, the environment, all of that stuff, and including vaccinations, well, yeah, inevitably the demand for cancer treatment of some kind will go up. Whether it will be chemo, I don't know. That's debatable. But I think this is one of their control mechanisms that they see why they're encouraged by a, a future that's still means more chemo in right. 2018 they saw more employed physicians than self-employed this is according to medical express news release uh and this means basically that doctors are no longer running independent businesses as much as they used to and they're now becoming part of conglomerates hospital settings where they are merely employees and therefore can be controlled readily and easily in terms of innovation suppression 
Oh, you mean you you think that a mineral would be better than chemo in this case? Uh Uh-uh, doc, you're fired or will threaten you with firing, as opposed to an independent physician who now may be a cash practice that says, you know what? I'm not relying on insurance. I'm going to innovate, and I'm going to respond to the people that are coming to see me. So I think that they think that if they can control all of the doctors, that they'll succeed in keeping chemo as the only way to go. Well, that's the reason that the medical boards go after doctors when you're dealing with chemo, uh, I mean, with the cancer or, you know, they've got their own, they've got the, as you said, the business aspect, they've got the regulatory agencies, they've got the insurance agencies, they won't reimburse for treatments unless they're considered, quote, standard and it's chemo and radiation. So they're controlling it as in any way that they possibly can. But here's the funny thing. They're saying that 50% more chemo, you know, over, when was it? 20 years. Next 20 years. So, you know, they're setting that intention. But here's what's going to be funny. I, I just got that vision when you said that. Of all this chemotherapeutic, uh, all these chemotherapeutic substances, right, just stockpiles of it, and they're trying to figure out what to do with it because people are saying, I'm not taking that. You know, if you've got cancer, and let's say you don't believe in nutrients, you don't believe in detoxification, you don't believe in my philosophy or whatever, here's what you need to do. Look at what doctors do when they get cancer. The vast majority of doctors when they get cancer they go fishing. Yeah, they don't do chemo. They don't do radiation, right. especially oncologists. They don't do chemo. They don't do radiation. They know better. They go fishing. Yeah, fascinating. Again, that's the inside story, folks. That you won't hear. They're not going to report on it in the mainstream news for sure. But you'll hear about it here on Advanced Medicine each and every week with Dr. Rasha Batar. AdvancedMedicine.com is linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. I'll show you exactly where that is. Those of you who are uh, already at the website, that's cool. Thank you for that. We have links, of course, to the upcoming Advanced Medicine Conference. You can see Dr. Batar here and the subjects we're covering today on the air. Uh, we've got a little bit more time for the, the, the show, but I just want to ask you, Dr. Batar, if you have time to hang out a little extra like we do extra innings here on yeah, the show. Yeah, afterwards. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So if Rob- we haven't gotten your question or comment, folks, we're going to try and do that after the official uh, you know, version, which is two hours long, that we are heard rebroadcasting all over the world, in fact. Uh, but, yeah, see the Advanced Medicine Conference here. I've got it linked up. You'll see the uh, click on the link. And, by the way, if you're a student, a medical student, a chiropractic student, a naturopathic student, uh, if you're part of Trinity School of Natural Health and you've got proof that you are a student right now, Dr. Batar has extended an invitation for you to come to the Advanced Medicine Conference for free. Yes, you heard that right, Dr. Batar. I'm so excited about that. And we got a lot of uh, folks that listen uh, that go to Trinity, uh, which is correspondence and sometimes on-site training, and uh, probably a lot in the L.A. area. Hopefully, we'll get them to come as well. Right. So basically, any type of – it's got to be a doctor program, but anything, you know, um, any type of medical program. So DOs, MDs, uh, dentists chiropractors, naturopaths, the whole work. They're going through naturopathy programs as well, yes. So, yep. uh, folks, we've got a lot of cool stuff happening. Now, let me ask you this question about anger versus sadness. Because Medical Express has an article here, and, and I'll show everybody, uh, that talks about anger is more harmful to the health of older adults than sadness. Now, when they say older adults, they're talking about octogenarians. Those are over 80, in fact. So not, not youngins. And um, I assess this and go, okay, anger more dangerous than sadness why i would just think in terms of energy expenditure maybe i'm wrong here but the eh, the energy the the negative energy involved and i'm not saying all anger is negative because there's an emotion all emotions maybe have a purpose but if they control you they run you then they can deplete you and i've talked about from uh, my mentor's perspective of this this kind of this um what is this this thing that rolls back and forth like a teeter-totter or whatever you can move from anger to sadness in between you can be frustrated and it's like the human condition The question is if you can reach some kind of consciousness shift or enlightenment that you're not controlled by those emotions. They could be part of your experience. But after 80, apparently anger is very devastating to your, I guess, energy levels. Yeah, I mean, anger is anger is very difficult to negate. Um, If you can take anger, and you can harness the power of anger to motivate you and focus it in. Mm-hmm. then it's a totally different scenario. But if you allow anger, if you become a victim of anger, you allow anger to dictate how you respond to everything else. Besides being in a constant sympathetic mimetic overdrive, you know, you'll create adrenal exhaustion for yourself, but you do all sorts of other damage to your own system. So you actually increase the peripheral vascular resistance mm-hmm. that the heart has to overcome. So the va- uh, vascular tree will actually constrict, so the heart has to work harder. You know, it's that clenching off, uh, the clenching system. You, you're, you're actually increasing... Um, the pressure of your whole, the whole system. So this is right. going to the heart has to pump that much harder. Is the point because everything yeah. is getting clenched down. 
But there's so many other aspects of, uh, of anger. So forgiveness, we talked about this actually in the webinar quite extensively uh, with Dr. Lipton too, because forgiveness is probably the only antidote to anger. I guess love and gratitude, compassion, mm -hmm. um, but probably the, the opposite of fear is love. So the opposite of anger, what, what, what would that be, Robert? Compassion? Yeah, it could be. I mean, obviously, if you get into a compassionate state, you're not going to be angry, right? You're going to have compassion right. for the person that you may be angry about or the situation itself. I, I think, uh, by the way, homeopathically, for those of you dealing with un uncontrollable rage, anger, outburst is stramonium with an S. S as in Sam, stramonium. Uh, that's, again, something you can take. To, and it's not going to be drugging you like a drug drugs you. It'll work with you energetically, uh, metabolically for anger issues. So just, uh, again, as a side, because we don't want to bring up the anger issue and not give you an option. Because you know? right. it's not Prozac, I promise. Right, right. Exactly. Well, this is the thing that if, if you're angry, just remember this. If you become angry, remember this. You are hurting yourself. Just focus in on that part. You are hurting yourself. So forgive, not because they deserve it, but because you deserve, you deserve it. it. Yes. That's a very, very important component of uh, our treatment in our practice. So when people come for an initial consultation for cancer, for example, we never know whether they're going to start treatment or not. We give them all the different options. But the one thing I want to make sure that they leave the clinic with, because I never know if I'm going to see them again or not. I always tell them that they no longer have the luxury of being angry at anybody. They need to forgive and truly forgive from the core, truly forgive. Like not grudgingly and grudging the teeth like, oh, okay, fine, I'll forgive them because I could be charged. No, <laughs> really, truly let it go and forgive them. Yeah. Because that will be the greatest blessing that you can do for yourself. Yeah. Because there's no point in walking around with that type of animosity and that type of anger. Here, Robert, here's a, if we have enough time, I'd like to talk about a study that came out years ago. I don't even remember the, the reference. But it was a We're going to have to do it in, in, in extra innings unless you can encapsulate it very quickly. Okay, well, basically the study was where people that had resentment issues, they felt that somebody owed them an apology. They polled these people. They went and found the people that supposedly owed the apology, and they found in over 80% of the cases, the person, the individual who was supposedly who supposedly owed an apology didn't even know they did something right. wrong yeah. that they should have apologized. They were carrying all this anger for someone who had no earthly idea that something had happened, right? What's the point? It was self-destructive the entire time. Exactly. Folks, you want to get beyond self-destruction? How about embrace the power to heal? Come to the Advanced Medicine Conference. If you haven't planned already, Memorial Day weekend, Pasadena, Los Angeles, California. Links are up in the show notes at robertscabbell.com. We're going to take a, a brief break, and we'll be back for extra innings with Dr. Batari. can hang out, answer your questions. In the meantime, Dr. B, tell them what they need to know, because we got to go, sort of. The power to heal is unequivocally yours. <laughs> 